while we're talking about fasting, I want to invite you to join with me and others in the congregation that are doing a two-meal fast, and you can do that two meals any day of the week. Now, I was speaking with Reverend Otter on Friday, and he kind of suggested that a real pastor would fast for three meals instead of two, but anyway, I'd like to have as many join with me as possible, but pick whatever two meals work best in your schedule. And I think you'll find it a meaningful spiritual practice. At least for me, that hunger reminds me of God's presence, and it drives me to God in a small way. And it kind of reveals how much we are dependent upon the things of this earth. So give it a try if you can. Well, today we're starting a series for Lent that we're calling The Landscape of Lent. We're drawing upon the scriptures that the lectionary provides to us. And you may not be familiar with the lectionary, but that's a a body of scriptures that are chosen by an ecumenical group that uh, try to expose you to a, a variety of scripture to get a good good feel for all of it. And so our scriptures for this season of Lent are the gospel ones, the ones in the four gospels, that reveal very pivotal moments in Jesus' life that led his way to the cross. And what we'll find is that we, we found a, a uniting feature of these that they all seem to have something about an element of nature that... We can draw on, and that's why we're calling it the landscape of Lent. Things like mud and wind and water. Today, our element of nature is the wilderness, as you might notice as you look at the stage. Now, if you're not that familiar with the Bible and being from North America, when you hear the word wilderness, you probably think of something like this, right? But you need to know that's not the kind of wilderness that people in the Middle East experience, at least in Jesus day, and you go to there today, you'll find it looks more like this, okay? A little bit difference, isn't it? And it certainly makes a difference. I think it sets a mood when we try to find our parallels to our wilderness and what Jesus experienced. It's very significant because you think of a forest that we're familiar with. You think lush, green. You think vegetation. Uh, you think exploration. You think of a peaceful place where there's lots of life. And you might have a little bit of anxiety about it because you might not like bugs and fungs that crawl in the forest. But otherwise, you're going to have a more positive experience. But the wilderness in biblical times was a very barren place. You didn't have to go far east of Galilee or Jerusalem to find terrain that looks like this. And this is where Jesus was driven out to spend his 40 days and nights. It was a place of scarcity. There were not natural resources, so very few people lived there. Only some groups trying to get away from society would live there, like the Essenes. We believe that John the Baptist might have come from the Essenes. Uh, the Essenes gave us the Dead Sea Scroll. They lived out in that wilderness, finding some scarce water sources to live in order to separate themselves. They thought by separation they could maintain their holiness and therefore find salvation. Jesus was led into the wilderness, interestingly, right after what would have been a very high spiritual moment for him. It comes right after his baptism, where he was baptized by John the Baptist. When he came up out of the water, the voice that came in the form of a dove said, My son with whom I'm well pleased. Of course, it had been the time that he might have been the most confident in himself. And so the Spirit drives him into the wilderness and there his spirit is tested. There he finds solitude, and there is where he cements his relationship with God that would give him the strength he needs to go out into his public ministry that would have plenty of tests. So I hope that 
this Lenten season, you might consider what might be your practice that becomes your wilderness and ponder that. Now, as we look at the scripture, it's not an easy one to interpret, especially trying to figure out what those three temptations were. Um, it's not every day that you come face to face with the devil, right? And, and you can't help but wonder, how did this story get into our Bibles? Because none of the disciples were there. And, and did Jesus literally get taken to the pinnacle of the temple? And where can you find a mountain high enough to see all the kingdoms of the world? So my theory is that Jesus experienced this in the form of a vision. And those temptations, even in that vision, would have been just as real. And the choices that he made, just as critical. And then he shared the power of that vision later with the disciples. And that, therefore, it found its way into our scriptures. Now, the most convincing interpretation of what these three temptations represent, I find in what would have been the three expectations of the Messiah that the people of Jesus' day would have expected. Some wanted a Messiah who would meet every physical need, and therefore that's what the bread represents. Some would have desired a Messiah who would perform miracles to demonstrate his authority, and that's why Jesus is put at the pinnacle of the temple. And then we know that many expected the Messiah to come and free the Israelites from the power of the Roman Empire. And therefore, they would experience self-rule once again. They wanted that political Messiah. And all these, these, these three things were temptations throughout his ministry. And therefore, this vision helped, helped him cement his resolve and who he would be to live out the mission and call of God. All these Expectations of the Messiah were very short-sighted. Jesus knew that he was called to proclaim the King of God. He came to, to issue in the reign of God and demonstrate what that looks like for all of us and for the world. So I hope as we ponder that kingdom that we realize that because Jesus allowed himself to be obedient to that call, through his life and through his death and through the resurrection, he has brought the kingdom of God so it now can rule inside of us many, many generations afterwards because of his faithfulness. When I think about Jesus' wilderness, it makes me recall a time that I would like to call one of my wilderness experiences. It came very young in my faith. I was still in high school. I was a, a, a new uh, believer in Jesus Christ. My faith was fresh. And it happened that our church had a lay witness mission. Anybody ever experienced a lay witness mission? Yeah. Well, for those of you that have not, what it is is Christians from various churches, sometimes from far away, at least in the Midwest, would come together for a weekend to the one church. And there you would have services on Friday evening and Saturday evening. You'd have some small groups on Saturday morning. And then it would culminate in a very special worship experience on Sunday morning. And the program would be basically people coming and sharing their personal testimony of how Christ has changed their life. And it would be very moving to hear the transformations that took place in so many lives. On Saturday night, there was a very powerful altar call after hearing many of these testimonies. And I was moved. And I came forward. I, I came down to the altar and, and prayed. And I prayed for a miracle. I prayed that my mother would be healed of her mental illness. 
And it was a very passionate prayer. And it was one that I felt very, very hopeful and believed in the power of God to free my mother of that illness. And how important it was because that had been one of her roughest weeks that week. And when I prayed, I felt the presence of God in a very powerful way. I felt that God was going to give me that miracle. And when you know, I got up the next day and my mother was stable. And I was convinced that I had received that miracle. And that produced a very huge spiritual high, as you might imagine. That high lasted about three days. Because my mother regressed back, as she often did, to her nervous state once again. And as you can guess, I was a little disillusioned. And fortunately, I had a really good youth pastor. And I went to her, and I talked through this experience, and she helped me to see that, uh, that God doesn't always answer prayer the way we want it to. And it became for me that this was a, a strong, important experience for me in my path to discover that often God's work is not in taking us out of our painful circumstances, but it's the promise of his presence within. And I realized that God did answer my prayer. I, I did have a small miracle. The timing of it was evidence for me that God had heard my prayer and I knew he was present. I knew he was present. And it was so vital of a step in my Christian maturity to realize that, that God is with us and his miraculous work has often given us the power and endurance to withstand whatever we have to face in this world. I will never know why my mother had to experience her schizophrenia all of her life. But I did find the strength of God to deal with that. And as I look back, I have, I have a realization that if God answered my prayer as I wanted it to, I'm pretty convinced I wouldn't be a pastor today. Because you see, I'm a wounded healer. The pain that I experienced in my life is what drove me to want to do something to make a difference in people's lives. And if God had so easily answered that prayer, I wouldn't be where I am today. So embrace those tough experiences in your life and realize that God is, is with you even when it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, as we think about our wilderness experience, because that for me is one of my wilderness experiences, I hope this season of Lent you'll, you'll ponder and consider doing something, some kind of spiritual discipline that drives you into the wilderness. When you look in the Bible, you find that any time a wilderness description is offered, it is a time of preparation, a spiritual preparation. It is a time in which you get yourself ready for the next thing God's going to do. Or it's the time in which God's grace comes to you and you experience his mercy in new ways. We've got several examples of it. As we described today, Jesus remained in the wilderness 40 days. Noah and his family were in the ark as the rainstorms hit the earth for 40 days and 40 nights before giving them the promise they would never destroy earth once again. Moses fasted 40 days up on Mount Sinai as he inscribed the covenant that God was making with Israel. Elijah fasted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights before he received his new commission. And the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness before they moved into the promised land. 
Lent, we know, was experienced and practiced in the early church as early as the late 2nd century. And so that 40 became a good number that was formalized in the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. And so we have a strong historic practice of Lent. So I invite you to find some practice that works for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be giving up something, but I hope that you'll consider finding a time of silence, doing something that takes you away from your normal routine, maybe an hour of silence each weekend during Lent. Or, or maybe it'll be turning off your radio on your commute back and forth and becoming more aware of your surroundings. Or try our Lenten challenge, the, the cross with all the colorings as an opportunity for you to do something constructive. Or take that number 40 and, and write 40 letters to people that you haven't communicated with for some time, or make 40 phone calls to someone instead of texting them. Or read the entire gospel of Mark, the shortest gospel, the one in which the other gospels are based upon, and see what God might teach you by experiencing that in one setting. You'd be surprised how fast you can read it in one setting. Or, or read Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, and see what the Spirit suggests that you ought to do. Whatever you do, try to let that be a wilderness experience for you. But here's the most important thing. It's not what you do that matters so much. It's the spirit in which you do it. And if I'm going to reduce down what happened to Jesus in the wilderness, it was that he chose to forego his supernatural powers in order to enter more fully and embrace our human experience. To more completely be that in humanity and walk with us fully and completely. And, and so I hope that you consider, instead of trying to escape your difficult circumstances, instead of trying to see that the length of time to try to achieve that next level of spirituality, let it be to enter more fully into your relationships, to enter more fully into the challenges that life presents to you. If I go back to my illustration of my prayer for my mother, I realize that it was not until I finally accepted my parents as they were that I began to experience what they could offer me. You know, I tried to change my mother and father in many ways. I tried through prayer. I tried through counsel, I tried through anger, I tried through withdrawal, and none of that worked. It wasn't until I just accepted them as they were that began to see the gift that they could be to me. My dad would never give me a hug, and he would never say, I love you. But when I finally accepted that's when I began to see that he showed his love for me by doing. And I could call him up at any time, and he would be there in just a second to help me. It wasn't until I accepted my mother's schizophrenia that that's just going to be part of who she is that I began to find the patience I needed just to be with her and enjoy when occasionally I can make her laugh. And even my children. You ever try to change your children? Yeah. I've had to learn to let them learn the hard way sometimes. And then I can celebrate. When you see those opportunities, they embrace that responsibility. And we could say the same about friends. I can say the same about parishioners. So I hope this Lenten season be a chance for you to go into your barren wilderness, 
to strip away the things that get in the way of your relationship with God and with others and embrace whatever God has placed in your midst. Find his presence. He's already there with you. Let us pray. Lord, we're very grateful and thankful that you have come to this earth, that you chose to set aside your divinity enough to be with us in our humanity. Help us to do the same with others. May we find our wilderness. Through Christ we do pray. Amen.